Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, soon it will be Good Friday, and we will be commemorating the fact that the Lord Jesus went the way of the cross to pay the price for our sins. We confess that he suffered during his whole time on this earth, but especially at the end, when he bore for us the wrath of God against our sins, when he experienced the agony of hell on the cross. In Matthew chapter 21, the time had almost come. The Lord Jesus entered Jerusalem a few days before his crucifixion. Our passage tells us how that went. He received a royal entry. The people put their cloaks on the roads. The people cut branches from the trees and put them on the roads. And by doing that, they showed the Lord Jesus royal honor. They spread, as it were, the royal carpet for the Lord Jesus as he entered Jerusalem. This morning, I proclaim God's word to you about Jesus Christ entering Jerusalem as the Messianic King. We'll know three things. First of all, the preparation for this entry. Secondly, the character of this entry. And thirdly, the response to this entry. Jesus Christ enters Jerusalem as the Messianic King. We'll note, first of all, the preparation for this entry. Secondly, the character of this entry. And thirdly, the response to this entry. Brothers and sisters, don't think that when the Lord Jesus entered Jerusalem and when he made his way to the cross, things just kind of unfolded on their own. It wasn't like that at all. In fact, the Lord Jesus was actively engaged with the preparation for his entry into Jerusalem. And you learn that from this passage. The Lord Jesus was actively involved in setting the stage for his entry into Jerusalem. Our Savior knew that it was the time. In fact, in John chapter 12, you can read that the Lord Jesus said in verse 27, And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? This hour? The Lord Jesus knew that the time had come. And so we see him preparing for his entry into Jerusalem. And we see that all of these events that the Lord Jesus was involved in were carefully guided in God's providence. We learn that already from the fact that the Lord Jesus chose very carefully the timing. We read that it was six days before Passover. We read that in John chapter 12. Six days before Passover that the Lord Jesus came to the outskirts of Jerusalem. He wanted to be in Jerusalem at the Passover. And he knew that his hour had come, and the hour was to be the hour of the Passover. 
because as the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, Jesus Christ is our Passover lamb. The Lord Jesus came into this world as the fulfillment of that great Passover celebration. He came into this world as the Lamb of God who was going to be sacrificed to set us free from the dominion of sin. The Lord Jesus was the fulfillment of that Old Testament feast at which the Israelites celebrated their deliverance from the bondage and slavery of sin in Egypt. The hour had come and the Lord Jesus made sure that his timing was right. It was part of his preparation. He chose the timing. And then when you hear the instructions that our Savior gave his disciples, those two disciples that he sent into the village ahead of them to get the donkey and the colt, then you understand that Everything was in God's hands. Everything was under the control of the Lord Jesus. Because the Lord Jesus said to those two disciples, go into that village and you will immediately find a donkey and a colt. They would find that donkey and colt immediately. That's what it says in the original. In other words, they wouldn't have to go searching through the village to find this donkey and colt. They would find it there immediately because in God's providence, that donkey and colt would be there for them to take. In his providence, the Lord Jesus was overseeing all of this and ensuring that everything would be ready. The donkey and the colt would be ready and waiting for the Lord Jesus. Brought there in God's providence. And furthermore, the Lord Jesus instructed those two disciples by saying, If anyone interferes with you, hey, what are you doing? That's my donkey. Leave that alone. Then they were to say, the Lord needs them. And the response would be, that person would send them at once. It's exactly the same word in the original as that word for immediately. In other words, our text makes clear that not only would God in his providence see to it that there would be a donkey and a colt there for the taking, but God in his providence would also control the heart and mind of anyone who would dare to interfere. All they would have to say is, the Lord needs them, and the person would say, take them. Because God is the one who controls the hearts. And you learn from that, that the Lord Jesus was in total control of this situation. He was in total control of the preparation for his entry. In fact, as I said, the things that unfolded as the Lord Jesus entered Jerusalem did not just unfold on their own, but they were guided by God himself. They were guided by the Lord Jesus himself. 
as the Lord Jesus was going to enter into Jerusalem to make provision for our salvation, everything was under his control. And isn't that a tremendously comforting fact for us today too? In our text, the Lord Jesus was heading to the cross. He was going to lay down his life for us. And he did lay down his life. But now the Lord Jesus is busy unfolding his plan of salvation in our lives, in our personal lives, for those whom he laid down his life. As the Lord Jesus made his way to the cross, the Lord Jesus made all the preparations providentially. And now, as we stand behind the cross and look back on the cross, and as our Savior is in heaven, as the victor over sin and death, our Savior is still guiding all things. Our Savior is busy today, brothers and sisters, working out his plan of salvation in the lives of his children. He's actively involved in that. His guiding hand is present in your life. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, his guiding hand is busy in your life as he is busy unfolding his plan of salvation for you. And the minutest things in your life are governed by God. Just as we might think that finding that donkey and colt in the village was a rather minor matter, so the things that we consider rather minor matters in our lives are equally in the hand of our Savior. And isn't that a tremendously comforting reality? Furthermore, we see that the Lord Jesus was busy preparing for his entry into Jerusalem by the fact that he sent those two disciples to make the preparations. The Lord Jesus himself did not go into that village to get that donkey and colt. He sent two disciples as his messengers, as his envoys. And by doing that, the Lord Jesus was acting as the messianic king. Because that's what kings do. They send envoys, they send messengers ahead of them who make the preparations, who work out the details, who carry out the orders. And so the Lord Jesus sent these two disciples as his envoys. And they were to go there, and if anyone would interfere, they were to speak on behalf of Christ and express his authoritative, royal claim. The Lord needs that donkey and colt. It was an expression of authoritative, royal claim. Christ was conducting himself as the messianic king. The king who has the say the king 
who rules, the king who has authority. And furthermore, brothers and sisters, the Lord Jesus was actively preparing for his entry into Jerusalem by the very fact that he saw to it that this prophecy of Zechariah would be fulfilled. We sometimes think that when those Old Testament passages are quoted in the New Testament and we are told that those passages were fulfilled by the Lord Jesus, we're sometimes inclined to think that it was almost kind of coincidental that the Lord Jesus fulfilled those Old Testament passages. He did that, and so the Old Testament passage was fulfilled. But that's a very passive approach to the fulfillment of those Old Testament passages. Because our text tells us that this was done in order to fulfill what was said. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. In other words, the fulfillment of what was spoken by Zechariah in Zechariah 7, 9 verse 9 was not a mere byproduct of what the Lord Jesus did, but rather the Lord Jesus actively and purposefully set out to fulfill this prophecy of Zechariah. The two disciples did not understand the connection with that prophecy of Zechariah. In fact, they wouldn't understand until after the Lord Jesus had been raised. But the Lord Jesus actively set out to fulfill that prophecy. And all of that, all of those aspects that I mentioned, are part of Christ's preparation for his entry into Jerusalem as the one who had come to fulfill the Old Testament promises. And then we note the character of this entry. What was the character? Well, the character is expressed for us in verse 5. The quotation from Zechariah 9, verse 9. Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The key thing in that quotation is the fact that we are told that Zion's king came humbly mounted on a donkey, on a colt. The fact that the Lord Jesus entered Jerusalem on a donkey is the expression of his humility. He came in humility. He entered Jerusalem as the humble, suffering servant. And that is the character of his entry into Jerusalem. 
In order to understand that, brothers and sisters, we need to understand the contrast between a horse and a donkey in Scripture. In Scripture, a horse is an animal of war. In fact, you read time and again throughout the Old Testament about the nations that had war horses. We also sang of it this morning from Psalm 20. Some trust in horses, some trust in chariots, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. The nations around Israel trusted in horses and chariots, in war horses, but the Lord God has stipulated way back in Deuteronomy chapter 17 that if Israel were ever to have a king, the king would not allow, be allowed to multiply war horses the king was not allowed to put his trust in an army. And that's why you read in the Old Testament that when David captured horses from the nations around Israel, David hamstrung those horses so that they would no longer be useful for warfare. It was Solomon who introduced war horses to Israel, and he did that contrary to the Lord's will. So the horse in Scripture is an animal of war. Warlords rode horses. But the donkey, the donkey in Scripture is an animal associated with peaceful agricultural work. And the Lord Jesus entered Jerusalem on a donkey. Our Savior did not enter Jerusalem as a warlord. Our Savior entered Jerusalem in humility on a donkey. And then you have to understand a little bit about the context of Zechariah chapter 9. Israel was surrounded by nations that had war horses. Israel was surrounded by nations that had strong armies and fierce war horses. And the temptation always existed for Israel that Israel would put its trust in an army and in war horses. But Zechariah prophesied about a future king, a king of Zion, who would come with salvation, but humbly, and riding on a donkey. This king would establish a kingdom of peace. But he would not do so as a warlord. He would do so as the prince of peace. In other words, the one riding a donkey would prevail over those riding war horses. And Zechariah expresses that in chapter 9, verse 10, just after the verse that is quoted in Matthew 21, where Zechariah prophesies on behalf of the Lord, I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. He would cut off 
the war horse from Jerusalem and he would speak peace to the nations. In other words, as one riding a donkey, that future king of Zion would prevail over those riding war horses and he would not do so by war. And then we call to mind that the prophet Isaiah had already prophesied earlier about the coming Christ in Isaiah 9 verse 6 and he had already identified him as the Prince of Peace. And that's because the Lord Jesus would conquer the spiritual enemies of God's people. Sin, the devil, the world. And he would do so by the cross, thereby establishing everlasting peace. There would be peace between God and man, peace between man and his fellow man, all because of the redeeming work of Jesus Christ, that King of Zion, who came humbly and went the way of the cross. You see, brothers and sisters, Christ came into this world as the priest king. He didn't come into this world like so many kings of the nations round about Israel, a strong and fierce warlord riding a war horse. But the Lord Jesus came into this world as the suffering servant who came humbly riding a donkey and going the way of the cross, thereby conquering the spiritual enemies of God's people and establishing a kingdom of peace, everlasting peace, everlasting fellowship between God and Redeem sinners. Everlasting fellowship between man and his fellow man in the kingdom of peace. The secret of Christ's messianic kingship lay in the cross. It lay in the fact that he came as the suffering servant. The Lord Jesus explained it. When he stood before Pilate, he explained that his kingdom was not of this world. It was a spiritual kingdom. And we hear Christ saying in John 18, verse 36 to Pontius Pilate, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from the world. It was of another kind. A spiritual kingdom, defeating spiritual enemies. And therefore, brothers and sisters, the character of Christ's entry into Jerusalem, riding that donkey, in humility, expressed the character of his purpose for entering Jerusalem. He was going the way of the cross, and he would triumph by the cross, bringing everlasting peace. And then we note the response to this entry. 
the people were jubilant. They put their cloaks on the roads. They cut the branches from the trees and put them on the road in order to make a royal carpet for the Lord Jesus. This was going to be their king. And they sang of it in jubilation. We read in verse 9 of chapter 21, And the crowds that went out before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! Hosanna means something like, Save! Lord, save! This was going to be the moment. This was their king. This was Zion's king. This was the one who would give them security. And it becomes even more evident from the other Gospels what they were getting at. In our text, it says that they sang, Hosanna to the Son of David. That's a reference to his kingship, his royalty. That becomes even more clear if you look at the parallel accounts. In Mark chapter 11, verse 10, we read, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. We find the same thing in Luke chapter 19, where Luke also records the entry of Christ in Jerusalem and we read there that they sang, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. They saw in Christ their King. But what kind of a King? We read in the Gospel of John that when the Lord Jesus had multiplied the bread and had fed 5,000 people, they wanted to take him by force and make him king. And now they saw the Lord Jesus again. And it was the Passover. People from all over the land had flocked to Jerusalem for the Passover. And that idea of making Christ king resurfaced. When they saw Christ approaching Jerusalem on a donkey, they thought that this might be the moment. And they even used words of Psalm 118 to express their acclaim. Psalm 118 was a psalm that the people of God sang at the Passover as they greeted one another. And they quoted verse 26. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. They adapted that for the Lord Jesus entering Jerusalem on a donkey. But what kind of king did they have in mind? They had political expectations. They thought that the Lord Jesus would provide them with economic and political security and that their future would be secure. They had a wrong expectation. That becomes clear from what Luke writes about Christ's entry into Jerusalem. We read in Luke chapter 19, verse 37, As he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples 
began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. And then it goes on to say in verse 38, saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. In other words, they had all those mighty works of Christ on their mind. And for that reason, they hailed the Lord Jesus as king. We find the same thing in the Gospel of John, chapter 12, where John also writes about the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And he informs us in John 12, 17 and 18, the crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign. They came and flocked to the Lord Jesus as he rode into Jerusalem on that donkey because of his miracles. If this would be their king, their future would be secure. It would be the end of Roman domination. It would be the beginning of economic security. The kingdom of peace would have come. But brothers and sisters, they should have learned from the scriptures about the true nature of Christ's kingship from a passage like Isaiah 53 about the suffering servant, from a passage like Zechariah 9 about the king of Zion coming humbly, riding on a donkey. And that's why, in a matter of mere days, the exultant cries of jubilation when the Lord Jesus entered Jerusalem were soon replaced by cries for his crucifixion because he had not measured up. He had not satisfied their expectations. But the Lord Jesus was really the one, the promised King of Zion. And that's why Psalm 118 says, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. It's in Christ that all things hold together. It's in Christ that we have redemption from sin and the devil and the world and our own sinful flesh. That's what we may celebrate on Good Friday and Easter. The Messianic King has come. Redemption has been brought about. And the foundation for that everlasting kingdom of peace has been laid by Jesus Christ on the cross. May we all embrace Jesus Christ as that messianic king. And may we all rejoice in the gospel of peace which Christ established by his death and resurrection. Amen.